Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, I wanted to share an interview that I did uh, last week with Dr. David Miller. He, Miller, he is the director of the uh, Princeton University's Faith and Work Initiative. Uh, he uh, is an extraordinary thinker there, and he was actually in Davos, Switzerland, Last week, as uh, all of the business executives from around the world were meeting there, President Trump, of course, made his appearance talking about the economy and jobs and opportunity. And uh, it was really interesting. He uh, he talked about uh, faith uh, to all of these executives, that it was uh, part of the uh, what is critical for businesses today. It's part of what has been absent in many of the boardrooms that have made really bad decisions uh, so it's a, a fascinating take. So I asked him, you know, how do, how do you end up in Davos, Switzerland, in front of a business group, uh, again, coming from Princeton University Faith and Work Initiative? Here's what he said. Sure, and I, I think trust is maybe one of the, the big questions of, of our time that at multiple levels, at the, the personal level, let's say between uh, husband and wife, uh, uh, between uh, at an organizational level, uh, uh, between a, a customer and their clients, and, and not just the corporate world. There's, uh, let's face it, the church has some challenges with trust. Its uh, religious space has challenges, too, and the governments of pretty much all spheres of society, from the personal to the institutional uh, there's uh, been a breakdown of trust in many places where we thought we could have trust. Uh, so that, I, I think a lot of us are thinking about that in different ways. Um, and what, what struck me as is, is maybe uh, um, clear from the, the way you introduced me is I'm very interested in what my research center, what we look at at, at Princeton is the intersection of, of uh, different religious traditions um, and ethics and values. And we, we pose the question, what, what does... What does faith in these different religious traditions have to do, if anything, with modern-day hard problems that people have with, uh, with social values and ethics and leadership questions? And, and what I've discovered in my research, the short answer is a lot. <laughs> and, and one may not hear it from the pulpit if one happens to uh, be a, a worshiper and have a, a congregation they, they're part of. Uh, uh, but in fact, the, these ancient um, uh, traditions have uh, incredibly powerful wisdom for our time. So that's the space I explore. I say, well, gee, what can we take from these great traditions, in many cases thousands of years old, and, and apply them to, um, to the modern dilemmas we face? I think that's so important. We, we see it in so many different uh, aspects. And, and usually when an organization loses trust, whether that's with customers, whether that's with employees, uh, the, the natural response to that is uh, typically a PR campaign 
uh, <laughs> as opposed to uh, really getting to these principles. So what, what are some of the things that you found in your research uh, in terms of what organizations should be doing uh, to build trust? Yeah, so it's um, – and, and you're absolutely right. The, the, uh, when this, let's take a, a corporation, for instance. But again, as I said, it could be any other social institution of any kind, for-profit, non-profit, et cetera. Uh, and what, in this particular research, I focused on the three Abrahamic traditions, saying what does Judaism, Christianity, and Islam have to say in their historical texts and teachings uh, about this question, uh, uh, not so much of how do you win trust, but how do you restore pro- trust? Because, mm. frankly, I think most folks would agree that there's no perfect company, there's no perfect person, and, and inevitably we will break down, and there's human brokenness. And it, it occurred to me that... that, that um, that's where religion really could help, because you don't have to be religious. By the way, let me make that really clear. That's fine, but you don't have to be to find the wisdom in this. Right. Uh, that be, because the, the truth is truth, uh, whether it comes from science or holy texts. If it's true, it's true. Uh, and, and so the some of the ideas we saw in these traditions were, were first, uh, we came up with 11 theses, 11 ideas, 11 sort of propositions uh, to think about to move towards uh, approaching or towards the restoration of trust, and but these different eleven different lessons or insights that we think we could learn. And by the way, these are not like a formula; uh, mm-hmm. these are ideas or suggestions to be used as a whole or in part based on an organization's uh, uh, situation. Some companies have had a, a long history of uh, not having the best trust; others, it's a, a one-time or a, a one-off mistake or problem. One of the first places that we look is, is, is transparency, that if you try to rebuild trust, because frankly, you can never restore trust. It'll never be the way it was, because that hurt is always going to be there. But you can rebuild it. That was one of our findings we learned from religion. And religion has different steps or processes or rituals right. that someone can go to to restore, whether it's getting right with God or their neighbor, uh, however the situation is. But you start with transparency, this, this utter nakedness, this other, uh, this um, honesty. And in a litigious world, that's a bold thing to do. Uh, it's much more tempting to not air the family laundry, as the uh, saying may go, or, and also in fairness, not just litigious issues, but it's also uh, sometimes you don't want to alarm uh, your, your shareholders or, or, your, or your customers, right. I should say, right. with a false alarm that we may have a problem in our cans of soup, for instance. Right. Well, do you or don't you? Uh, so it's, it's a fair thing that a company might want to first do a bit of homework. On the other hand, uh, if it turns out there is a problem, um, maybe not, not telling the regulators, not telling your clients uh, uh, could really come back to hurt you and harm you. Yeah. So transparency is one of the first steps we advocate. Uh, I think that's so important and, and really getting to uh, – you, you alluded to this idea of the uh, authentic vulnerability, this uh, ability to be transparent to the point that uh, there, there is some risk involved. Uh, in terms of restoring that trust, uh, give us a give us a quick sense of uh, some of the reaction there. Again, uh, a lot of these uh, corporate executives and financial elites that are there uh, in Davos, uh, they're they're not used to having this kind of approach. Uh, <laughs> how was how was your research received there in Davos, Switzerland, this week? Well, well I have to tell you, uh, I, um, very well. Uh, I, I was I was a bit surprised actually, but then I probably shouldn't be because. If, if you if you believe the data, somewhere between 85 and 93 percent of the world uh, are religious or spiritually inclined. They, they believe in some sort of god or gods or a higher power. Uh, and so, if we have all these uh, very lead, very senior, very capable, very talented uh, uh, executives here and corporate leaders, uh, 
So that statistic may not be the same as the general population, but it's not like everybody here is 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 an atheist. Right, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> and many people, uh, maybe they're not active in their in their tradition anymore. Maybe they don't go to church or synagogue as frequently as they used to. But they were shaped and informed by these profound teachings. And mm. so I think a lot of words matter. So how you discuss it. Uh, so when I would talk to people, at first they would say, wait, what, say that again? <laughs> I'd say, look, this, this, this paper that and my, I want to stress is with my colleague Michael, Michael Tate with me on the faculty also at Princeton. And, and, and I want to stress it's not about religiosity. It's about what wisdom or truth can come out truth. of these religious yeah. traditions, what insights and lessons. And once I said that, most people said, okay, fair enough. So if, whether it comes out of a laboratory or um, uh, reading ancient literature or Shakespeare or uh, uh, the Bible or the Hebrew text, whatever, that, well, if it's true, it's true. And if it's wise, it's wise, and let's try it. Yeah. So I, I would say it was, uh, I, I, unless I didn't read my audience, well, I, I would say it was a, uh, while there were some skeptics, uh, sure. uh, that the majority of people thought this is worth pursuing. It's yeah. an intelligent, respectful conversation. Yeah, and if it helps, hey, let's give it a shot. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. If you're just joining us, uh, Dr. David Miller, uh, who is the director of the Princeton University Faith and Work Initiative, uh, is joining us from Davos, Switzerland, uh, as part of the World Economic Forum, uh, presenting some interesting things uh, there to these business and, and financial leaders uh, in terms of trust, particularly how you uh, restore that as best you can. As uh, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Miller, there's uh, uh, never quite the same, but it, but it can actually be better. Uh, just in our, our closing uh, couple of minutes here, uh, give us one other of these principles, again, that you've derived from a, a, host, a host of faith traditions and wisdom uh, through the ages yeah. that uh, we can start applying today. Well, well one is, uh, uh, and many religions have this idea of, um, of uh, sort of the golden rule, how you treat the other, do under others, is you want them to do unto you or variations of that. Uh, but some of that also means you have to treat yourself well, your own self-care, uh, your own self-honesty and how you take care of yourself impacts how you help others. So, so there's this sense of looking inward um, before you look outward. Uh, another finding, was, which goes back to this, this sense of um, openness about what you find and you might need to change within yourself. Another uh, finding which, which intrigued me, one of the theses has to do with uh, with, uh, with rituals. Uh, as we know, most religious traditions have a variety of re- religious rituals, whether it might be communion or confession or, or a certain feast or a, a ritual you go through. Often that has a, a cleansing purpose or a healing purpose or you're granted forgiveness, a fresh start. Well, that really struck us as interesting. Say, what can we do in the corporate world or any organization? Uh, maybe it's a nonprofit or an NGO that, that's lost uh, trust. How, what, what, corporate rituals could be developed. It sort of stretches the thought possibilities. And, and it may be a way that one of the, the things about religious traditions is now we're talking about the metaphysical. We're, we're out of, outside of time and space. Right. And maybe that's where creative ideas can come when we mm. think differently. So maybe the corporate word wouldn't be rituals, might sound too religious, but maybe it's practices. What habits and can we, what practices can we cultivate to help rebuild trust? Uh, and and they could be very creative, but so that really and that people really seem to be taken with the idea. What what practices can we cultivate to help rebuild trust, both inwardly and outwardly? Uh, that is fantastic. the uh, The study is called "Towards a Restoration of Trust: Preliminary Insights and Lessons from Wisdom Traditions." Uh, 
so grateful to have uh, Dr. David Miller with us from Princeton University. Again, he's joining us from Davos, Switzerland, an important uh, event there at the World Economic Forum. Uh, Love these principles, and uh, we look forward to having you back on real soon for a little deeper dive uh, on some of these critical principles, as you said, uh, applied to businesses, NGOs, organizations, faith groups, communities, marriages, and families. Uh, This is great work. We applaud the effort and uh, look forward to doing a deeper dive real soon. Well, thanks a lot. And if anyone's interested in reading the whole paper, you can go to our website. It's uh, written as one word, faithandwork.princeton.edu. And go in our news section there and you'll you'll find it somewhere. But uh, faithandwork.princeton.edu. All right. There you go. Uh, my interview with uh, Dr. Uh, David Miller, again from Princeton. Uh, really fascinating stuff. He was there in Davos uh, over the course of the week last week, presented to many of these uh, groups uh, with some really interesting insight there. How do you restore trust in an organization? That's uh, that's the real test and the real challenge. Uh, one of those principles we've, we've got to get better at uh, as a society in all walks of life. Uh, really critical to get to there. All right. uh, We're going to go ahead and step aside for our bottom of the hour news break. Uh, Stay with us. We've got our favorite pollster, independent pollster Scott Rasmussen will join us talking about our new relationship with the Deseret News, the Hinckley Institute, and some new polling right here in the state of Utah. Stay with us on KSL News Radio.